Good morning, good evening, good night, wherever you are this evening, sunny evening, coming to you live from Sirius Radio, Dr. Ev on the mic with you this evening, going to have a fantastic show lined up for you, hey, just hitting up my favorite, favorite song, hey, can you imagine, take a moment just to imagine what the world will be, <laughs> If we have no fences, you know what I'm saying. All right. Going to hit you up back in a couple of seconds with a big, big show lineup for you this evening. Talking about self-care healing after a disaster. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> I'm telling you, I, I, I just think that just listening to this vibration of this music alone should be able to heal the world. <laughs> what do you think? Hey, good evening. This is Dr. Albert right here on the mic tonight. I'm going to be lining up for a big, big show. Have my co-pilot hanging out with me, boy, I'm telling you. Um, Go pick up your chair, take a friend, go on the veranda and sit down. 661-467-2407. Number to call and uh, just chitty chat chat. Um, Meditate. (laughs) Self-healing, self-care. My goodness. Some powerful words there. Want to help me? Bring in a powerful sister. <laughs> um, you know, I always kind of find the powers to enhance the powers. Shalom. What a powerful name. Peace. Um, my co-host today is going to be Shalom. Um, she's a medical healer and a great story. Um, believe it or not, a daughter of a World War II two veteran and listen up her mama is a Hiroshima bomb survivor <laughs> wow <laughs> wow and come to think of it a name shalom peace <laughs> with all of that peace and we're going to be talking about surviving uh, after, how do you cope? How do you cope after disaster? How do you take care of yourself? You know, how do you heal? How do you survive? How do you thrive? You know, how do you pick up the pieces? And disaster comes in many ways, but let's hear it from the pro herself. Um, give us a call, 661-467-2407. want to give a shout-out to all those guys listening on the Big F Book. Those of you on Instagram want to say good afternoon, good morning to you. All right. Let's bring in uh, my co-pilot um, <laughs> right in the hot seat. Shalom. Hi. Shalom. 
Aloha. Aloha. Thank you. Thank you so much. Oh, my goodness. I, you know, I am just grinning from ear to ear. Um, to be grace and to be in your presence, um, it is just super awesome. So I say mahalo to you as well. Thank you so much for joining us. First of all, just give me a little background. Let the audience give us, um, give a give you, give yourself a little self tout, um, a background of who you are and some of the great things that you have been working on. Oh my! Thank you, thank you. I just want to thank you for inviting me here on your platform to share the wonderful stories that we all have and we all come from and all our ancestors that are here with us now. And you did a wonderful job um, sharing about my father who served in the British Army and through World War II. And after he completed his stint there, went home, he None of his family was left. They all were gone or perished in the war. He, um, yeah, he, uh, he went to um, his doctor, his, his mental health doctor, and asked for some advice. And his mental health doctor said, you know, you should just take a slow boat to China and think about it and try and heal yourself. So he did, but instead of going to China, he decided to go to Japan. And on that boat, he met my mother, who was just finishing college, and she is a survivor of the Hiroshima bomb, and um, she was actually in my grandmother's belly, and my grandmother was at the train station awaiting to be taken to Hiroshima, and that train never came because Hiroshima was bombed. And so Mm. she was with my grandmother to live to tell the story and also meet my father. And they had me. And uh, before I was born, they really, truly just prayed for peace in the world with the background that they came from. And so they decided on the name Shalom, whether I was going to be a boy or girl, because it is a universal name. And I came into the world, and I was blessed with this name. So um, it is a blessing to to kind of known my path before I was born, to serve my name my parents gave me, and to acknowledge um, what everything that's going on in the world today as a whole, and um, really do my part to serve that purpose that I was brought here to do, like each of us have. You know, I believe we all have a purpose and we all have a beautiful gift and it's our opportunity in life to find what that gift is and and serve it to the world once we master it and understand truly how we can help each other, yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. I I, I am almost on the floor I'm almost on the floor how what a coincidence and how things the universe can really manifest and bring things together um oh, uh, being a, 
a, a psychic or a psychologist or a psychiatrist, what kind of medication you had somebody coming out of or an horrific I, I tell you I'm I'm looking at how folks were treated um the barbaric way a lot of mental illness and that's something probably we'll get a chance to talk about on another show. Um the the barbaric way mental illness was uh, really treated back in those days um and i guess it's not sometimes barbaric but it's what we knew then or at least mm-hmm. what we didn't know um for somebody coming out of a situation like that and and for your dad to go literally Face that again in a, in a different kind of a way that have to really have taken a toll on him. Did he ever talk about this in any way that you can remember? You know, um, you, you know, in a in a sense, growing up, my father really tried to protect us from his mental illness. You know, I know he did struggle a lot because of just. Um, you know, his inability to have the energy to keep up, you know, with his family. But what he did do that I remember clearly is when he would feel very depressed and, and um, you know, needed to take care of himself, he would actually remove himself from the family. He would take, he had a pickup truck with camper on the back and he would just uh, take off and go camping and out in nature. And that was his way to process what he was going through at the same time protect his family um, from, for, you know, from being the projection of what he was feeling coming out of him. And so growing up as a child, there was, you know, times, you know, months here, a few months there where my father would just be completely absent. But as I grew up, I, I finally understood why he would, he would leave and be absent. It was to take care of himself and, in a sense, his family, to protect his family from what he was going through. So wow. he was you one of my... You, you, you mentioned self-care and, and, and noted that title of the show. Um, and I would like for you to delve a little bit more in the self-caring and just kind of pivoting of how you're father dealt with it. I think um, he's a better physician than his trained physician. Um, Tell us a little bit, again, how did your mom, because here is another persons or other persons who are involved. How did you guys process that? Because for a young child growing up, or a, a, a wife um, to be missing um, the head of household, so to speak, ever so often, and the uncertainty of not knowing when or where um, that was happening. How did how did she, if ever at all, talk about you know dealing with that or confronting that? Yeah. Well, you know, my mother is very spiritual. And so, you know, she always saw things um, on both sides. 
And so she believed that, you know, a very important part, you know, to actually have a healthy family is to start within yourself and have a healthy Mm -hmm. self so we can share that with our family. And so she encouraged my father to leave when he needed to leave. And, you know, she would explain to us, you know, that, you know, dad went off to a camping trip until we was old enough, you know, maybe pre-teens or so to, you know, explain to us that, you know, your father's been through the war and by then we could, we understood it because they taught that to us in school. And, you know, especially, you know, the, um, the war that he battled and, and the experience that he went through um, was highly traumatic and therefore he chose nature to be part of his healing. So camping was the ideal opportunity for him to take care of himself. And really one of the reasons why he chose Hawaii um, as a place to raise his family, and which is a place that I was uh, raised. And, you know, it's beautiful. You know, it's peaceful. It's serene. It's the ideal place uh, for healing, you know. And so... As I grew up, you know, I really um, had a deeper understanding of what self-care truly meant. It wasn't, it wasn't a thing where if I didn't feel good to go run to a doctor and ask them to help me because only I knew myself best and the, the road that I traveled and the experiences I had, that no one could really walk in my shoes, that only I could truly understand what I've been through and what my spirit calls me um, to partake in in order to heal. And, you know, I was very grateful to have the parents that I did that really was, um, you know, honest about what they their family has been through and you know therefore you know has shared that knowledge onto us and so that really you know has helped me and guided me to the path that I'm on now um, with my life wow wow I, I, I you said some things that kind of strike me a bit a couple of things Hawaii um, which I hope we'll talk about because recently there is some battling there and your dad chose that to be the sacred place um, to recoup or to get some sense of direction. Um, but before we go into that, to me about that self-care and going on um, a camping with nature is this when we talk about that is that separating oneself from the familiar people or folks and getting to be nature by oneself is that isolation or is just a change of venue with others Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's a culminative, you know, of, of what you stated, as well as the need to, I, uh, I guess you could say, unplug, you know, so to get away from the familiar or the noise, perhaps, so you can uh, hear yourself, be with yourself, be with nature, you know, there is so much nature um, can teach us 
you know, as as we know, the most magnificent part of nature is life itself. You know, all living beings down to organisms, you know, as they say, where we all come from. And so there's so much knowledge there for us. You know, just like the horses and the animals and the birds know when an earthquake is coming or knows know, know when a storm is coming before it even arrives. You know, there's this intuition that they are tapped into that I believe um, we as humans have kind of lost touch of. So to, you know, unplug from the modern world and replug into nature's matrix I, I believe has all the healing power there for us. Wow, 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 wow. <laughs> I am just in wow and ha. Um, so uh, I'm going to touch a little bit on Hawaii. And you grew up in Hawaii, um, beautiful island. I got an opportunity to... Um, be in the space um, at some time myself. And um, I don't know how much of this I should go into, but uh, the present situation that exists, is that something that we can talk about? Because I know what we are, our topic would kind of roll right into that self-care healing, surviving and coping and striving um, with the um, disaster that I think is still going on there. Tell us a little bit about that, if you can, and how do we do that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I uh, thank you, you know, Mahalo again for using your platform to be that voice for Maui, for Lahaina, um, for what um, they recently, you know, have all gone through. Um, You know, as well as just the history of, you know, um, the indigenous people, you know, we call them Kanaka. Um, It's the, you know, the term, uh, Hawaiian term used for the indigenous people there. But it's a very familiar story for all brown and black people, the story of the suppression. And so Hawaii has a very similar story. Um, in history. And so um, I believe, you know, the fires led up to um, this disastrous situation that that we have, you know, all witnessed. And, you know, there's so many layers to it that, um, you know, there is a need to educate ourselves as to what those layers are because as you know, when we are outside looking in, it's a different picture than actually being the ones that have been experiencing it. So, you know, a big part of Lahaina is it was is the kingdom. It is the capital of Hawaii. And the reason why is because it, it once upon a time was a very lush, flourishing, magnificent paradise. And at some point in time, um, the water was uh, taken away, basically, you know, cut off from the land and the aquifers. And um, if you were there, you know, prior to the fires and right after the fires, you would have noticed all the hillside was gray, uh, you know, uh, brown and dusty. And that wasn't typical of Lahaina. 
Lahaina's aquifers were full once upon a time. Those hills were green and lush, and it all flowed down to Lahaina, where there were beautiful <clears throat> ponds and just amazing um, life that was there. But because the water has been cut off um, due to, you know, the man-made um, systems that were implemented there, um, Lahaina became basically a matchbox. And, um, you know, a lot of the old systems, which are above-ground telephone poles, that when they were, you know, hit, uh, blown down by the winds, created fires, and, um, you know, a lot of the structures were not fireproof. A lot of those homes built back in, you know, um, the mid-century, in, in the mid-50s, and even older. So they, you know, weren't capable of surviving and withstanding fires to that capacity. So, you know, there's there's many layers to it. But, um, you know, the, the heritage that lives there um, is, is very deep. The roots are very deep. And, you know, the people are very strong and very resilient. And um, I believe that, um, you know, just like the phoenix, you know, there is um, in the fire a death that happens. And from that death, you know, new life is formed and this is you know part of nature and it's unfortunate you know god bless all the souls that did not survive that fire and this is you know we recognize to be part of um, our need to accept and also find the time to grieve and thus find the time to heal so, you know, yeah, I mean, there's so much to it, you know, and tourism, you know, opened back up in October. It didn't really give the people time to heal. Um, you know, a lot of people worked in hotels, lost their homes, lost their loved ones, had to go back to work, weren't really given the time to grieve and mourn their loss. And, you know, um, continue to take care of tourism and there is you know belief that tourism is a huge part of the economy there that supports the economy however you know I'm one to believe in sustainable systems and you know relying on tourism is not sustainable you know as we can see the fire showed us this you know very clearly so there is a birth that's happening and I'm there for the long haul to be part of that rebirth and to bring in all the children, to bring in my children and all of the Kanakas who have left. It's time to come home. It's time to come home and stand with our people. And Maui is the heart of Aloha, which is, you know, known all around the world. And so the heart of aloha it's the heart of our world and we all carry a piece of that everyone that has visited hawaii has taken a piece of that aloha home in their heart and it is live and well today 
Wow. Well, thank you so much for that history. And I just wish um, you could expand a little bit more because, interestingly enough, I personally did not understand the rich history um, Hawaii has, and I hope that I'm able to pronounce that correctly as well. Um, but if you can, and um, please just stop if uh, you, um, you feel um, not appropriate on well because I, I know probably you yourself um is really going or the field that you're in and uh we'll talk a little bit about your organization um Maui Medic Healers a little bit later in the show but give us a little bit more for those like myself who don't know the history when we think of Hawaii we, I personally just think of bombs and Pearl Harbor, and that's about it. But tell me a little bit about the people. You mentioned about the kingdom. I did not know about that. Tell us a little bit more about that, if you can. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, um, the Polynesians, you know, have made their way to the islands of Hawaii, and this is where they flourished, and they had kings ruling different islands. And, um, you know, the king himself had chosen um, Lahaina to be the kingdom because of its beauty and because of its um you know amazing rich richness there and so you know there is um you know many you know years you know in the making of what it is today however mm-hmm. um, i don't know if you know the history of queen lidokalani who was um reigned the last queen who reigned the kingdom of hawaii and she was introduced to the the white man and the United States of America. And they wanted to join forces and turn Hawaii into a state. However, you know, they, the United States made it sound like it was a wonderful idea. And so she was, you know... Open to the idea, however, she wasn't willing to just give her kingdom away. So she, because she didn't completely agree with the situation, she was locked up. And while she was locked up, they... You mean jail? Well, you could call it jail, I guess. When the United States of America locks someone up, I guess you could call it jail. But they locked her away. And during that oh. time, they they took over Hawaii and and turned it into the United States, part of the United States of America. So there is no treaty, and this is what the natives are speaking of today when you hear them say, give the land back. It is exactly that that they're speaking of. That land was never theirs to begin with. It was only because of what had happened in history. It was taken from the kingdom of Hawaii. And so was her flag 
that was flying. And most people um, don't even know what her flag looks like. And you can Google it. But when she was locked away, the flag went missing. Someone took the flag. And it wasn't until last year, 2023, someone found this flag that's been gone, missing for over 130 years. Someone found it on the auction. And so they retrieved the flag back from over 130 years that has gone missing, her flag. And unfortunately, um, it was burned in the Lahaina fire. Oh, my but word. This, yeah, it's, 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 it's just an just a incredible story. But it is part of the history that has happened. And so there's a very um, deep um, understanding that the Kanaka people that continue to, you know, educate ourselves around what had truly happened that know the truth. And this is another reason why um, you can hear it in the, the mainstream news. They just admitted that Hawaii is one of the most corrupted states of America because it was never legally given to them in the first place. And so it's a lot of um, layers of information that was just basically forgotten now. And because of the fight and to keep the Kanaka's land and being pushed off their land. I'm sure you read in the recent article this, um, I think it was last year, Oprah Winfrey purchased a huge another parcel of land for six point something million dollars. And this is the, the native's land. This is the Kanaka's land, you know. And how, how do so these who are, people... So who are selling these lands? Um, who is well, that are selling? That's a very good question. That's a very good question when you think of um, Hawaii being one of the most corrupt states in America. Um, that might be a really deep rabbit hole to go down. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> we don't so, want to. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we've got to stay on track here. <laughs> um and you know and and you know a lot of this information you can find it on the internet you can see um how much the people there are still trying to make their voice be heard about the land being returned um but there's so much political layers um that has been you know basically piled up on top of each other for the last 130 years and on top of that you know, when the Europeans came, um, a lot of the Kanakas died off from disease. And so there's only a very small portion of Kanaka um, that are, you know, full, half, a quarter blooded. Um, but a lot of them are like my children who has just a fraction of Kanaka because of the um, different uh ethnicities that were married into, you know, the Kanaka bloodline. Um, But, yeah, there is um, just so much uh, pain there, you know, and 
and, you know, anyone that's been to Hawaii, you know, when you go there, you know, you just fall in love. And there's a lot of people that go there and they, they you know, they don't want to leave, you know. But they, they don't understand the history, <laughs> understand mm-hmm. the pain and the reason behind a lot of the locals' anger and sadness, you know, um, there is just um, so much tourists that continue to go there every single day um, that we're asking to educate yourselves before you go there to understand how you can truly help, you know. And it's not necessarily going to the west side and visiting the west side right now because <clears throat> there's a lot of people that are still, you know, grieving and still, you know, trying to get up on their own two feet. And, you know, it's it's still not even cleaned up. There's ashes and burnt. Everything's charred. still there. You know, it's still in the air. It's in the water. It's in the ground. And so I would highly suggest most tourists not to visit there because you're exposing yourself and your family to all these toxins just to go to the west side. There's the other parts of the island. There, there's Kihei, there's Kahalui, there's Hana. You can go visit. But please, you know, the west side is in a lot of pain, and we're trying to get back up on our feet. And it doesn't help to have tourists that are trying to have a great time on their vacation, drinking their margaritas on the beach while people are suffering. It does not help us at all. That's not aloha. Wow. Uh, but, but somebody would say, you know, life has to go on. I mean, at what point does grieving stop? At what point do we get back to business? Um, I guess the state would also say, hey, um, since this is our only economy, um, we have to get funds going. We have a lot of infrastructure to build. Where is this money going to come from if business does not um, continue to go on? And um, the sooner we go on, maybe the easier it is for folks to get back on their feet or to detract from the grieving. And also, I would think just a thought came to mind, compounded also with that, uh, we're just getting over covid what what are residents trying to do and what are they doing and what would they want at this point? Yeah, those are very valid questions um, and concerns. And obviously, you know, on the track that we've been on with Hawaii and economy, um, it seems obvious that we want tourists to get right back into action. Mm-hmm. However, um, it was not sustainable. And so mm-hmm. it begs the question to try something different instead of using something that is just not working. And this is where the residents are trying to speak up and have their voices be heard. They're asking to lead. They're asking to be asked what they want, not Ah. to just do the same thing. 
and this is where there's been silence. Now, on the mainstream island news, you can hear the media saying that they are censoring a lot of the information coming out of Maui because of conspiracy theories, so on and so forth. But they're also, you know, silencing the voices of the residents who are Mm -hmm. saying, let us lead. And this is what Lahaina Strong is doing. They're saying, let Lahaina lead. And so we need the opportunity to even be heard, to be able to even make a change. And there are laws trying to be passed right now that thousands of people are trying to, you know, not only while they're grieving and all the loss they've been through, they have to fly to the capital on Oahu, the state capital, to make their voices be heard in all these meetings that are being had to try and pass these laws that are not allowing Lahaina to be heard. But it is happening, and all the soldiers are showing up for their voices to be heard. And in regards to grieving, I believe, you know, everyone has their own timing. That's something you cannot force upon anyone. Some people take longer, some people not as long. You know, my ancestors, for example, they would take a whole year to grieve and mourn. And after that Mm -hmm. year of completion it was time to let it go. It was like the anniversary to let it go and allow that spirit, if it was a loved one, um, if it was a place or thing, to release it back into the universe and to carry on. So you're not no longer carrying that in your spirit. You no longer mm-hmm. have to keep walking in the past and re- revisiting that that. Ah. that you know, you don't have to worry about the future because you are, you know, lifted and you are clear and you're able to be present in the moment. And so this, I mean, it has six months we've been, we've had so far, you know, I I don't feel, you know, for, for a kingdom to have perished, you know, and people, one of the largest fires in the history of the United States of America, okay, six months is nothing. Okay, so I, you know, I I truly believe that, you know, each resident will have a different answer. This is my answer. You know, this is what's worked for me, you know, but to honor the space and place, you know, for everyone to be able to take that time they need to find the answers they need to heal themselves because they don't teach this to us in school. They don't teach us mm-hmm. how do you leave loss and how do you take care of yourself after um, an enormous loss. So these are all things that we're learning on our own today, you know, and mm-hmm. I've been fortunate enough to have been, you know, placed on a path that I've learned a lot of tools along the way that has led me to be a part of Maui Medics Healers Hui today, that I have something invaluable to actually offer the people that we serve at our clinics and every day the people that we get to interact with. And that truly is, you know, the, you know what I want to do with for the rest of my life, basically, you know, is to empower each other, empower ourselves, and empower the people to heal ourselves, that we can overcome any misfortune because we allow ourselves the time and understanding of life and its cycles 
and to really fully live in the moment, to really serve that gift that we each all carry. And only we know what that gift is. So we need to answer that call. We need to follow that voice that's telling us that this is who we truly are. We need to release the chains of slavery that is holding us to that paycheck or holding us to that companion or those friends that do not serve us for the greatest good. We need to trust and have faith that the universe has our back. You know, this is something that, you know, is proven in quantum physics, how it's all connected. And therefore, once we're able to disconnect from the things that are keeping us completely asleep and reconnect to what keeps us alive and well and thriving is when we truly see the magic in life. Wow. Well, my sister, oh, I am just trying to see. This is Ferris Radio Caribbean Radio Show, the knowledge station, and we're speaking to my sister, the peace woman, the peace daughter of Shalom, right here today. We hope to get back some more of these powerful show to you, so make sure you stay tuned. Six six one four six seven two four zero seven is the number to call. I want to give a shout out to all of you guys listening in. I want to say big shout out to Annie. I want to say big shout out to Nilio. Um, some of the great folks uh, that you know who you are, guys. Ah, wow, wow. There's so much that I want to get into, but with some time constraint here, I want to talk a little bit, just a little bit about um, tourists are coming, and it's a matter of subjective subjectivity. Um, do you think that uh, some of them think that they are helping um, for being here? Um, because uh, most everything and the reason why we lose a lot of things and other people gain a lot of other things is because economy. We blame it on this thing called economy. Do you think that they think they're helping um, for them to be here? Or do you think that they're insensitive? Uh, you did mention something about that. Um, to wanting to take a vacation in the midst of disaster. Yeah, I think it's, you know, it's, it's, it's a culminative of many different reasons people have, you know, I was, I've been fortunate enough to actually, you know, you know, ask face to face some of the tourists why they came and they were able to give me honest answers, which is, is quite valid. So, um, you know, I can share with you what I was told. I can share with you what I've seen so far, you know. Um, but it's, it's, it's really a melting pot of many different reasons. Um, one, number one, yes, I believe that there are tourists that go there that do not educate themselves about where their money truly goes, where they're, they're you know, they're, they're sending their money, where they're placing their money, and um, therefore how it's not helping. You know, for example, a lot of the hotels, right, um, a lot of the rental car companies, they're owned by, you know, foreign mm. subjects. Mm. They're not owned by 
One of the only local hotels that I know of is Royal Lahaina, which is housing 100% of the refugees there. There's no tourists allowed. Okay. So we have to understand where our money truly is going. Okay. Yeah. You may be, um, that, that money may be paying the, the bell person or the housekeeper. However, if they are still in mourning, which they are, a lot of them lost their homes and or loved ones in those fires and be told to need to go back to work because tourism is opening back up. Mm-hmm. They didn't want to do that. They would have preferred to stay home with their loved ones or try and figure out where their housing is going to be. They're living in hotels right now about to be pushed out. The The government contract ends, which is only in a matter of potentially a few days to several months that some mm-hmm. people are, are being pushed out, okay? So they want to also stabilize their home situation first before they have to worry about going back to work. You know, there are, you know, um, benefits like unemployment, things like that, that they could continue to have. Um, you okay. know, FEMA could... FEMA and Red Cross could construct some type of um, monetary system in a way that could serve them better, you know, but these are old systems that they're working with, and that's the best that they can do, and we're grateful for them. However, you know, um, there's tourists that go there, and, you know, I've witnessed them, that they, you know, there's a lot of homeless people, um, and, you know, they're living in the parks. You know, they're living on, you know, on the side of the bypass. You'll see them when you drive to and from Lahaina. And, mm-hmm. you know, they are looked down upon, you know, like they're, they're, mm-hmm. they're choosing to be homeless, you know, and they're given, you know, very poor treatment by some of these tourists. And that, to me, is just, you know, obvious, just ignorance, you know. Um, There's another woman I spoke to that said she, you know, honestly came to the West Side because she wanted to go and seek out the mom and pop stores and, Mm -hmm. you know, patient care and, you know, offer, you know, her her money in that way. You know, however, however, you know, I, you know, asked her if she knew about the toxins that are in the air and the water and the ground right now because, if they haven't cleaned it up and she had no idea she didn't even think about that and so now mm-hmm. she came to a clinic concerned about a rash she was having and you know i explained to her well you know there's a lot of people having respiratory issues um kidney and liver issues skin issues mental health issues all after the fire and therefore you know, we are doing research right now to determine where exactly it's coming from. And she had, she had no idea. She had not even thought of it. And so I kind of scared her, you know. But mm-hmm. I think the truth can be piercing, you know. It truly can. And, you know, another, you know, really strange thing that I find is if you go online and you look to book a hotel in Maui, anywhere in Maui, whether it's Kahului, 45 minutes away, or down in Lahaina. The cost of these hotels are $300, dollars $1,000. 300 is a low-budget hotel per night, okay? 
Now, it begs the question, why is it so expensive? Well, the question, the answer to that question is because of the real estate there. The real estate there is so astronomically expensive that the the local people can't even afford to live there, and that's why they have to live ten people in a three bedroom house. You know, that's well, why talk so to many. Talk me people... a little bit about that. Uh, mm-hmm. Whoa, that is surprising. There, talk to me a little bit. Ten people in a three bedroom house. Expand on mm-hmm. that a little bit for me. Well, the reason why because the cost of living is so expensive. So that's why a lot of people did perish in the fires because a lot of these single family homes and, and, you know, I'm sure FEMA and Red Cross has the numbers on this where they had, you know, in a single family home, you know, anywhere from, you know, 8, 10, 14 people living there because that was the only way they could afford rent. Okay. So whenever, you know, as we understand, you know, real estate, you know, whenever the highest bidder pays the highest price for a piece of property in your neighborhood, your property goes up in price, in value, automatically, because somebody came into town and purchased it for a high value. So most of Maui has become that. You know, a lot of 53% of the, the, the property there is owned by foreign investors. Most of them do not even live in in these properties. It's just their, you know, um, investment, okay? What they do is they rent it out to people who can afford it. Most of the people who afford these prices are Airbnb tourists. And so what we have right now is we have tourists living in the condominiums and the apartments, and we have the fire refugees living in the hotels, and it should be the opposite. Okay. So this is, yes, it's very strange. And this is what we've been asking the governor to look at and to use the moratorium, the emergency proclamation that we're under right now to change those laws so we can get people in more dignified, stable housing where there's actually a kitchen where they can cook meals with their families. The hotels don't have kitchens. You know, and it's almost feeling like uh, a prison to them, you know, because they're not able to actually feel like a home. It's like they're on vacation for a long time, sitting in hotels with their families. So, you know, um, this is one of the, you know, main concerns that we have right now that we are trying to be a voice of is the housing crisis. Now, there was already a housing crisis before the fire. And now it's exacerbated it a lot more since the fire. And, you know, this is something that's not going to be able to, you know, change overnight. We need laws to be changed. We need, um, you know, regulations to be set in place. You know, there's another saying um, that the locals know very well, which is priced out of paradise. And this is the, the exact meaning of what they're talking about is a lot of the Kanakas had to move away to the mainland, to places like Las Vegas, to, you know, um, Washington, to different places of the United States because they could no longer afford it. And, And so they would love to be home, but they can't afford to be there. And, you know, this is the reality that we're living in right now 
with the situation with the housing crisis. I don't know what the answer is for that, but I do know that a big part of our resilience to be able to withstand this long haul that we're going to have to go through is to take care of ourselves. We need to be physically well. We need to be mentally well because this is going to be, you know, um, a marathon for a lot of us. And we see this, and it's been for a long, long time, this is on the backs of our ancestors that we've been fighting this fight. And, you know, a lot of indigenous people know this story, a lot. And it is time for us to stand up because of the time that we're living in is quite parallel to everything that's happening in the world right now. To stand by and watch innocent people being harmed is, you know, preposterous. You know, and, and at what point in time will that that enemy come knocking at our door to hurt our own family mm-hmm. members? You know, it's mm-hmm. time to stand. You know, and you know the Native Americans talked about the 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 Rainbow Tribe. You know, it's not the race, what race you are, what ethnicity mm-hmm. you are. I believe we mm-hmm. all carry that Moha spirit in us in our spirit, in our soul, we all are born out of that love. And therefore, we all have a responsibility to ourselves and to our children to make the best of the life that we're living right now. And is to stand up, you know, in the face of adversary, to stand up so others can stand with you because of the programming. A lot of people are in fear, but it's only a programming. You know, we are all waking up in this time, especially with all that's happening everywhere. And so the, the, the Native Americans also spoke about the seven generations, you know, to, to also, you know, put, put on that good fight for the rest of our lives. Because what we're doing is we're allowing that chain to not be broken for our future generations to stand on our backs. For the next seven generations is when we'll truly see that change that we want to see. Wow. Talk to me a little uh, more. We, we talk about Maui Medic Healers, which you are so much a part of that. And we talk about the self-care, healing, and surviving, and thriving. How is your group and you yourself um, helping to foster this healing process? Absolutely. Um, you know, um, we, you know, we don't, we don't like it to look political, but it truly is. I mean, it's all political, like just to be clear, to be honest, to be transparent, you know, and Maui Medics Healers Hui was formed up on the, the mountain, on the Mauna, on Mauna Kea, there was, um, back in 2018, uh, there was a group of developers who wanted to put another telescope up on Mauna Kea. And unfortunately, it was on sacred burial grounds of the Kanaka ancestors. And so a lot of the Kanakas went up to the Mauna and they protested. And they protested for many, many months. And it's really cold up there if you know anything about Mauna Kea. And a lot of the elders were getting sick and that we needed to have some kind of medical support. 
because the government was obviously all going to offer that to us. And so Mauna Medics was created, and it was a group of doctors and nurses and medics and holistic healers that all came together to volunteer to care for our Kanaka people, for all the people that were standing up there in protest. And we... Um, our has has delayed. We have delayed that telescope from being built up there, but it is still a daily struggle because of all of, you know, the political lingo that that's being used and bills that are trying to be passed under our noses while we're busy taking care of our family and our lives. Um, it's still a fight that we are putting up. And so our founder, being from Maui, when the wake of the fires, she decided to create on the heels of Mauna Medics, Maui Medics, Healers Hui. And her name is Noilani, and she is an amazing Wahine warrior that has created this organization and birthed it for many, many other warriors to come and volunteer to help the, you know, the support that's needed that the government has not been able to give us. And a big part of that is, you know, offering everything under one roof, so to speak. So not just Western medicine, but Eastern medicine and also indigenous medicine, Um, you know, the power of mental health and having someone to talk to as simply as, you know, having a talk story session with someone, just listening to what you want to share, something you want to get off of your back, Um, from acupuncture, massage therapy, to herbal teas. We offer a well-rounded approach to this type of support and healing um, here now, currently with Maui Medics Healers Hui. Wow, that 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 is like total body healing and mind right there. I, I hear you mention something about tea. Tell us a little bit about the tea. Is that what is that, and um, what what is the benefit of tea? Absolutely. So, um, you know, tea is another ancient, you know, medicine that um, was used by our ancestors to cure anything from, you know, a headache to um, an upset belly. And so Hawaii has um, many indigenous plants that um, the Kanakas used. And so we are bringing back that knowledge of the indigenous plants that grow there that can be used as medicine to heal ourselves. So I believe the the other day when you came into our clinic, I had mamaki tea. And mamaki tea is a leaf uh, from a plant that grows there, native of Hawaii. And it's considered to be the miracle brew. It's high in antioxidants. It helps um, with lower your blood pressure and regulating your system. And so uh, instead of coffee, um, we offer indigenous teas there. And um, it's something that 
you know, it hasn't been something that's researched or approved by the FDA, um, but it has been approved by our ancestors. Wow. That's power there. <laughs> that is power yeah. there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> Woo! <laughs> Uh, that just gives me a surge of power. Um, yes. Wow. Go on. Okay. Go on. <laughs> Woo. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. And, um, you know, and just, you know, and the Native, I love to bring the Native Americans in because I lived in California for many, many years as well. And um, I lived on, you know, the um, Ohlone tribe. Uh, land for many, many years, and I got to learn about the land and its plants. And so I love um, the way that they simply um, lived off the land as well as understood deeply the medicine there of the indigenous plants. And so they really believe that for every ailment that there is in the human body, there is a natural herb to cure it. But it Absolutely. is, uh, yes, but it is us to inherit the knowledge to understand which plants are which, because they're also mm-hmm. deadly ones, right? Mm-hmm. And so this is what holistic um, medicine is about. You know, you look at the whole, you know, um, not just the whole body, but the whole planet, and how we have everything here, we need to heal it. Now, why they don't teach this to us in Western school, um, I could give it a guess, but I'm not going to even bother. <laughs> so, you know, I can just say for sure that there are holistic schools now that offer it. There's alternative medicine schools. We have the World Wide Web at our fingertips. We can uh, research and find information in a blink of a millisecond. You know, so it all it takes is the courage and the curiosity to want to know what the answers are, to become your own healer, to, to know your own body system and how you have the power to heal yourselves. You don't need to put the responsibility onto anyone else or go to anyone else to ask them how to heal yourself. We have the information now with the technology we have and our fingertips to be able to do that on our own. Now it's up to us though to find that that power, that surge of energy to to to, to not be lazy, to really want to know what the true answers are to to really deeply understand that there's more to life than what we've been told and to go out there and seek it and live it, you know, to our very last breath. Wow. Um, the healing property of uh, medicine uh, bombarded by the nice little colorful, small, um, no effort, little bead thing, slooped down with some water. <laughs> We're programmed to easily, um, how easy and convenient that is. How do we deprogram ourselves to get back to our, sense, our ancestral spiritual 
home and body. Um, not that I think that there has to be value in a lot, lot of um, medicine. Unfortunately, sometime after years, you know, you have uh, a good friend up the road who oversees medicines and and give all of those uh, whatever it is to make claims are safe, only to know um, this tablet or book compound is good for headache, but the side effects may be 50 things um, that comes along with that. So therefore, if there is 50 side effects, it's a possibility, and maybe I'm exaggerating a little bit, um, there is 50 tablets to encounter those 50 side effects, and this goes on and on and on. So if something mm-hmm. is destroying something and you have to find something else to fix that something, um, then mm-hmm. I'm seeing right away there's a whole lot of problem there. So the question is, how do we, uh, and especially, and I wanted to talk a little bit about um, kids, how kids were dealing with the stress and how I know they're resilient and they're able to rebound more than the older folks like myself, Um, But how do we start teaching or your organization start teaching um, our people? And I say our people because we're all people of the entire world. So I think if we start mentioning as us together rather than separate sometime, maybe this is where um, we will start to find that shalom. Um, peace mm-hmm. within ourselves uh, that we could embrace each other. Um, that's just a thought there. But how do we deprogram ourselves and start to look at going out, teaching our children the very plant you're stepping down or destroying might be your salvation to health? How do we start doing that? And is Maui Medic Healers, um, at the point in time that someone comes into your care, what are you saying to them to help deprogram them? Yeah, absolutely. It's a wonderful question. Thank you for asking. Um, You know, I can only speak for myself and my own experience because everyone, you know, has walked their own journey and some have had, you know, a very challenging um, journey, you know. You know, but we're all here on earth together. But what I found is that, you know, and I think just about everyone can relate to this, you know that feeling when you're just sick and tired of being sick and tired? You know, when you get to that place, you have to just say, stop using the same tool that's just making you sick and tired and look elsewhere. And that's okay. where we can use technology, the, the, the World Wide Web, to find out, like, say, for example, a headache, alternative medicine for headache. Just Google that. And that will take you down an amazing path of information that you wouldn't have if you didn't actually just say to yourself, I'm, I'm tired of being sick and tired. And I want to know for myself what, what there's more to know. 
and go out there and seek it, you know, or to your library anywhere or to your elder medicine woman or medicine man in your town or your community. There always is one, right? And unravel that programming. And it's something that, you know, I believe, you know, it's a journey. It's not something like you can pop a pill, right? And all of a sudden, like, you have all the answers. You know, that's just not a sustainable way to look at it, right? And continue down this path that will help you um, not just levitate and, and elevate your spirit, but your mind. And the more you delve into this world, the more understanding you have, the more rich life becomes. And the children are watching us, whether we like it or not. And so just by taking care of ourselves in that genuine, authentic way, the children will learn. They will see this and they will follow. You know, they're like sponges, as you know. And so teaching the children something that, you know, we're still trying to understand is difficult. So the best thing we can do is learn it ourselves and allow the children and, and allow that to lead the children by example because they are amazing mm-hmm. beings. They are resilient. They are the ones that are going to inherit this world. And it's, to me, just the most utmost importance for us to care for all of our children all over the world because they are our future, right? And so, you know, with children, what, what, what I tell a lot of my clients that come into, you know, the, um, the clinic is to tell me what's going on for them. What would they like to share with me? And I just listen. And this allows them to, first of all, feel safe. Like someone actually wants to listen to what I have to say, not just tell me what to do, right? Mm-hmm. And that automatically makes them feel safe. And so they start sharing whatever's on their mind, whether it be the experience from the fire, whether it be a childhood memory, whether it be, you know, a future concern, they just share. And as they share, the most amazing thing happens. They actually start to hear themselves, and that's when the healing begins. That's when they place themselves on this healing path. And so we continue the conversation. You know, if they have any questions for me, I offer whatever I can. But most of the healing comes from themselves. They are the ones that really tell me what they need. And that, to me, ultimately is a sustainable way to heal ourselves. You did mention um, uh, at the top of the show that we have it in us. And this is what I'm hearing, given the opportunity to speak. It, that which is in us comes out. So, oh, that just got me there a minute. Um, talk to me. Give us some pointers. I know we're getting down to time here. Give us some pointers about building resilience because you talk about that, um, you know, several ways up the top. So talk Mm -hmm. a little bit about resilience, how that can help us. And I would like for you to 
tip on how do we really build up? Because a lot of time, just like in medicine, we tend to look when we have the problem and try to fix that, but we don't practice preventive medicine. How do we help self-care, that healing, Mm -hmm. before we kind of get into that disrepair where we have Mm -hmm. to break down and start to get in all of these other compounds and stuff? So I'd love for you to talk a little bit about how to build resilience. Absolutely, absolutely. You know, I think a, a good way to look at it is you need to step back and see the whole. You know, when you say, for example, you looked at the whole of the cosmos, right, the whole of the universe, all right? Now, think of our life. That's that small little blip of the whole cosmic script, right? We're here only for a little tiny script of it, right? And therefore, it humbles us to see, like, where we really are in this universe, right? And it it can be scary, sure can, but at the same time, it also makes us see that, well, if we're here for a short amount of time and the only thing guaranteed is that we're born and we're going to die, like, I should really use my time wisely while I'm here, right? Mm. And so that it allows us to really kind of over, over stand, you know, like, like I guess how Bob Marley would put it, right? Understand, to understand, you know, what truly is inside of us is that part wow. of that, that cosmos, right? And as we really value that breath of life, the time that we're given here, then we understand what the mission is here, right? It awakens us to understand that every single day when we awake, it's a gift. And when we awake, to not just get up and hurry into our programming, to actually take a moment and thank ourselves, look at ourselves in the mirror and thank ourselves for taking time to show, show ourselves love, taking time to take a breath of beautiful fresh air, giving thanks for, the, for the, the shoes on our feet, the clothes on our back, the food on our table, the family that we have, the simple things in life that really are most important, which is the most priceless things in life. You know, this is all a programming that led us to believe that money and, and fancy things and materialistic things is valuable because it's not. You can't take that to the grave with you. It has no value mm. whatsoever. The true currency is our life force energy. That's the true currency. And therefore, how are we using our time? Because time cannot be given back to us. And you can't buy it either. So, it's really important for us to understand how are we using our time? Are we using our time to go hurry off to the boss because boss wants us to harp and get to work for whatever reason that is not even sustainable, that is actually serving the greatest good for our planet, you know, and then things start unraveling. Then we start realizing, okay, what am I doing? Who am I serving? How am I being part of the problem or the solution? 
and then we get to choose with our free will what we truly want to serve. And from my experience, the most rewarding work I've ever done is volunteering, is just to serve in a way that doesn't pay me money, doesn't pay me material. It, it, it puts value in my life, in the time that I'm serving. It gives me so much value and so much gratitude and so much humility for the opportunities that I have to work with all of these these refugees, these people who have been suffering, these people who are, are trying so desperately to get back on their feet, to give me their time to come into my clinic, to share their stories, to feel safe around me. It's an honor for them to feel safe around me. And this is, you know, a big part of, you know, fully, you know, serving in, in that way that, you know, is, is part of helping the greatest good. And, you know, for the children, you know, they, they are so amazing when you give them art and you give them music. And art and music is so healing. I mean, it's amazing for adults too, right? Like you play your, your favorite tune and all of a sudden you want to dance. It doesn't really matter what mm-hmm. kind of mood you're in. It lifts you. Mm-hmm. And there's a frequency. There's an amazing frequency in that energy. You know, and that to me is the most um, powerful tools that we have. These are like um, more sophisticated than the most sophisticated computer technology or artificial intelligence that there is, is this amazing frequency that we have. And I truly believe that we are the most sophisticated supercomputer on earth. And that's why even AI or, you know, um, any of this computer technology can't touch us. Like, it can't touch us. It's trying to be like us, but it never will be because we are the utmost powerful super technology that there is. And once we wake into that and realize that, you know, that to me is where our power is. That to me is where no one can suppress you and tell you anything or program you into submission any longer. And that to me is what the government the people who are trying to control the the mass of the of society does not want us to know and so it's our responsibility to awaken to this ancient technology which is free energy energy is free we do not need to pay for it and this is all information you can find online again thanks to the world wide web you know, you just Google ancient technology, free energy, and these are, the, these are all the powerful things that our ancestors used that we've lost touch of, and maybe it was hidden from us because they knew that if we had this power, we could not be controlled anymore, that we could live in this utopian paradise together because we all were in harmony instead of fighting each other. You see, and so right now, in this moment in time, the only frequency that I know 
the most powerful frequency that everybody knows is love. And love does conquer all. And love is the answer. And so we have to start within ourselves to love ourselves, to recognize and awaken that we are the most magnificent thing ever to be created here on earth. Life itself, the most magnificent, the highest of the most high, right? And once we awaken to that, life will never be the same. We could never look at our lives again in the same lens. And we'll start changing things. We'll start doing things differently. And if we continue on this path, in a matter of no time, we will be living a completely different paradigm, completely different dimension, right? But it takes us, only we, our own self, can unlock that code. We need to crack that code for ourselves. Nobody can go inside of us and tell us you need to do this, this, and that. We need to tap into that love frequency for ourselves. That's all it takes is to find that power of love for ourselves, to know that you have a purpose here on this earth right now and that you need to find that gift that you were given. And everyone's gift is, is different, and that's what's so beautiful about it. Everyone is beautiful. Every single being is beautiful in their own way because there's only one of you. There's no identical. And therefore, love yourself. Like, know how important you are in this world, how each of us are important on this planet right now in this amazing, magnificent time that we are all getting to live in this moment. It's a very powerful time we're living in right now. There's many veils that are being lifted. There's many, you know, programmings that are just completely going haywire, right? And so we're, we're getting to live in it right now. And this is really exciting, you know? It is. It's super exciting, you know, so like empower ourselves, like give us that power boost that we need, that love boost that we know we have inside of us, carry it. We were born of it, right? Give it to ourselves and awaken ourselves so we can awaken our family and awaken our children. And so we can never be in bondage again, ever, ever. And so when... Our time in this vessel, in this body vessel, because we know we don't live forever in this bodies, right? But our soul and spirit will live on. And it is our duty, very important for all of us, to carry that love frequency until our very last breath. And do you know why? Mm. It's because, yes, it's because when we leave this body, this vessel, our frequency needs to be at its highest potential, the most highest ah. love frequency, so we can leave our bodies and we can transcend. And that wow. is the ultimate. My wonderful, wonderful shalom. I tell you, we are kind of squeaking on time here, and I definitely know I'm going to... 
put that there, that we will be gathering here um, on next Sunday to really call, um, continue this great virtual clinic, I call it. Tell us a little bit how you can be reached. We have about two minutes. Um, give us our website yes. and any contact information. Yes, absolutely. Um, you can reach us at Maui Medics Healers org, and I believe the um, link is in the description of the videos. I am also the president of an international ambassadress community education and development organization. That is iam-ced.org. You'll also find that in the description box below this uh, link, and you can also find me on Instagram, which is Shaloha Blessing at Insta. Wow, wow, Woo, I am telling you, I am, uh, I am getting kind of sweeping out some stuff. I'm pulling in some stuff, getting prepared for some great things. Thank you so much. This is the Big Healing Show, and we're going to be coming back at you guys. Thank you so much for listening in there. I want to thank all of you hanging out in the virtual cave. I call it the virtual cave. Thank you so much. Next Sunday, um, we will be right here. Sirius Radio, Caribbean Radio Show, The Knowledge Station. And this is Dr. Ev bidding you, hey, you're going to make some love tonight, make some good love, and take care of the ones that you're loving on. My wonderful queen sister, Shalom, the woman of peace and love. We're going to take us out. My favorite song, Mr. Glenn. Hey, hey, hey.